0: Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. Good morning. All right, well, we're in this psalm series, like Dave was saying, and uh, last week we started a conversation. We started a conversation about Entering into a conversation, we looked at Psalm 19 and how uh, how uh, God speaks today. He speaks through uh, creation, he speaks through His Word, uh, and He speaks to us personally and calls us to respond. Uh, we looked at how uh, how He how He speaks, and He's He's bringing us into this conversation. All of us as as believers are invited to join in to the conversation. But we have to be tuned in. Remember, we used a, a, the image of, um, of a radio, that that uh, there's radio waves all around us, but we have to be tuned in to hear them. So we've gotta be tuned in to enter into the conversation. Uh, we looked last week at how to tune in, what that actually looks like to, to tune in to God's voice, but, but it brings more questions with it. And that's what we're looking at today is, uh, How do I know God's voice? How do I know his voice? How do I, what does it sound like? How does he speak to me? Uh, What's his will for my life? These are questions that we're constantly asking. What is God's will for my life? What is it that he wants me to do next? And luckily, the Psalms are full of of promises for God's guidance and his leading. And what what we see in this is that there's two distinctions. We see two distinctions in his will. Uh, the first one is, is God's ultimate will. Okay? This is what, what people will call his will of decree. It's, it's his will that cannot be thwarted. It cannot be undone. No matter what comes against it, no matter what choices we make, this, this is part of his ultimate will that cannot be undone. Psalm 33, he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. It's talking about his his creation of the world. Psalm 76 says, For the wrath of man shall praise you. With a remnant of wrath you will gird yourself. This is a picture of even even somebody who who is rebelling, Even, even the people who are rebelling against God, God is going to ultimately turn this back around into praise and glory for himself. So we see... We see this first part, this, this ultimate will of God that cannot be undone. It can't be thwarted. Then you see a, a second distinction made, and this is God's specific will for our lives. What does he want me to do? What, what job do I need to be taken? What, what school am I supposed to go to or send my kids to? Uh, who am I supposed to marry? Is marriage even an option for me? This is, this, these are the questions that we're trying to figure out when we're asking what God's will is for my life. So the Psalms talk about this too, and the promises here are beautiful. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. There's an intimate picture here of of God's eye being on us and him, him counseling us like a father. Or Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord or the intimacy or the counsel of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He will make them know His covenant. The Psalms are full of this fatherly imagery, this, this constant development of, of character and this, this nourishing of this relationship. So as a new dad, I'm going to uh, refer to my daughter a lot today because it's, it's something that uh, it's really the only picture that I have been able to get in my head this week of, of the way that God guides us. Uh, so this is my daughter. Let me introduce you. This is Aria. It's, it's Hebrew for lioness. So you can see the fierceness in her face. She's, uh, this is taken about three months ago. She's eight months old now. And uh, she loves doing this. She loves when we, when we take her by the hand and, and, and walk with her. So she 's just started crawling, so we cannot keep her still at all she is she is out and she is going, and she doesn't want to stay still um, but she loves to to try and walk too so we 'll just hold her by the hand and she's taking these little baby steps out here and This is the picture that that I want in your minds as as we're going through god's guidance because it's a very fatherly image that we get in the psalms it's 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 an incredibly intimate picture, and what we get in in this in in looking at what hearing God's voice is about, we get two things. It's about transformation, the development of character in us, and it's about intimacy. It's about a relationship. It's about becoming a kind of person that God wants us to be who operates in an intimate kind of relationship wherever you are wherever you are. When, when Aria is walking like this, she doesn't care where she goes. She doesn't care where she's walking to. What's important to her is that she's learning how to walk. She's excited just to get to learn how to walk and to do it with her, with her dad. It's about the development, the transformation, and it's about Intimacy. So this is, this is her motivation. When she's trying to walk, she doesn't care where she goes. She wants the relationship. And what's, as we dive in today, what is the motivation? We have to ask this first. This is the very first thing we have to ask. What is my motivation for hearing God's voice? Because I can tell you, from, for me, honestly, my motives aren't always right. I don't always come to God with the right motives in this. What are our motives for actually hearing God? God's voice. Um, Dallas Willard has a lot of very, uh, he's, he's very good on this subject. And, and in fact, I've got the two books that have influenced me the most in this outside of the Bible. Uh, one of them is Dallas Willard's book, Hearing God. This is a, this is a hard read, but it's, it's very Comprehensive. It's it's an incredible read if, if, you, if you like harder reads. It's a, it's a little more of a challenge. This one, F.B. Meyer's book, The Secret of Guidance, uh, was written about 120 years ago. And, and uh, it's, a lot more, it's a lot easier to get through, obviously. It's a lot smaller, but it's got some amazing information in here. And both of these books, I'll be referencing today because um, they've been extremely influential in my development of this, of learning God's voice. So Dallas Willard says this, he says, I fear that many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and sense of being righteous. My extreme preoccupation with knowing God's will for me may only indicate that I am over-concerned with myself, not a Christ-like interest in the well-being of others or in the glory of God. So what, what are your motives when you're, when, you're, when you're wanting to hear God's voice? Is it, do you want to achieve safety? Uh, is, it, is it anxiety about the future? Again, I come to God like this a lot. Is it anxiety about the future? Is it, you just want to be right. You want to put the, the decision off on him and you just want to be right in the situation. So I just need you to guide me and show me that this is definitely right. That I can be infallible in this decision. What are your motives? And, you know, maybe, maybe even, uh, let's ask this. What would I do with a word from God? What would you do with it? What would you do if you actually heard God's voice? Because uh, uh, remember from last week, if you hear, you have to respond. This is, this is, even kids know this. Whenever you tell your kid to do something, but they don't want to hear it, what do they do? La, 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 la. They don't want to hear any of it. They put on these earmuffs and they don't want to hear a word because they know, even a kid knows, if I hear, I have to respond, either in obedience or disobedience. I have to respond. So what would I do with a word from God? Maybe a better question even to ask is what am I doing with the revelation God has already given me? What am I doing with what God has revealed to me now? What am I doing with it? Um, Ephesians 1.9, this is, this is good. It says, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. Through Jesus, he's already made his will, in one sense, known to us. He's already made it known. So there's, there are certain things you could be asking, like, okay, I, I want to start this relationship, uh, but the other person's married. Should I do it? That one's obvious, I hope. That one's obvious. It's been revealed, right? It's something that, that we should know. He has revealed his will through Jesus. So is, is there a... Um, so what are you doing with the, with the revelation he has now? Is there a blatant sin in your life? Are you coming to God either with earmuffs where you're completely tuning him out or are you coming to him asking for direction in one area but you won't follow him in the other areas? Again, this is in, an indictment on myself. This is, this is looking at the way that, that I have, you know, very poorly come to God for guidance in a lot of ways. What are you doing with, with the revelation that he's already given you? But it's not about law, okay? 2 Corinthians 3.6 says that, that, the, that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is not about following a moral code. I think of the rich young ruler when I think of this, and you know the way that, that he comes to Jesus. And he's like, hey, good teacher, I've done this and this and this. I followed, I followed your laws since I was a youth. Uh, what what more do you want from me? What what more do I need to do to get into the kingdom? And this guy who had followed the law to the letter, at least in his mind, was unwilling to follow Jesus wherever he would go. He was unwilling to follow him wherever he was leading. So Paul says this in, in Romans 8. He says, all who were being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God or the daughters of God. The children of God. These are the ones. These are the children of the kingdom. The ones that you know are part of this, this, this divine plan. The ones who are being led because when you, when, you, when you trust in Christ as your savior, he indwells you. The spirit comes and indwells you. And so it's not about confessing Christianity, calling yourself a Christian and 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 uh, following a moral code. Are you being led by God? Are you letting him lead you in your life? All who were being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what's, what's my motivation? These, the, the two things, remember, that we're looking at here is development of character, a transformation, and, and an intimate relationship. So what I want to do here is, is just jump into some very practical ways that, uh, that we can know his voice. Some ways that, that Christians throughout time have, have looked at this and, and known, like, you know, this is, this is how I see him guiding me. Um, I love this, this quote, the spirit who inhabits us, because remember, he's, he's dwelling inside of us, inhabiting us. The spirit who inhabits us is not mute restricting himself to an occasional nudge, hot flash, a brilliant image, or a case of the goosebumps. He speaks clearly if we're tuned in, if we're tuned in. So one of the, one of the ways that F.B. Meyer talks about knowing God's will is he talks about the, what he calls the three lights. And these three lights are basically God's word, uh, the, uh, the inner promptings of the spirit and the circumstances around us. And he calls these the, the three lights. And listen to what he says here. He says, God's impressions within and his word without are always corroborated by his providence around. And we should quietly wait until these three focus into one point. So these three lights, whenever, whenever they focus into one point, he says that they're like glowworms lighting along your path. That it's a very clear indication of God's will when these three lights are lining up in your life. The first one, God's speaking through Scripture. God speaks through Scripture. We looked at this last week. It's in Scripture that we learn the character and the quality of His voice, we learn the, the weightiness of it and the, the, the way that He speaks and the character of the one speaking. And not only that, this is where all of the other methods, all the other ways that we hear God's voice are all measured and weighed by this one. All of them. Because this is where God's revealed himself. This is where he has shown us who he is, shown us his faithfulness, shown us what his voice is like. So God speaks through Scripture. And let me ask you this again, another indictment on myself. When you come to the scripture, are you, are you reading it like an intimate letter? Or does is this look more like a manual or a self help book or a magic eight ball? Tell me what to do! Or, uh, or a textbook? When you get to the word, you read it for the intimacy because I want to know your voice I want to know your voice take the advice of the psalmist when you get into this taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see scripture is one of the primary ways that God speaks God also speaks through the inner promptings of the spirit uh, this, is, this is a hard one. This is a hard one to, to distinguish, to figure out. We had a great question that was asked this week. Uh, the question was, is there a difference between my conscience or my thoughts and the leading of the Holy Spirit? And if there is, how do I know the difference, right? How do I, That's what we're all asking. How do I know the difference between this? And I'll try and give you three, three things, three indicators that will that, really just help lead you in this, one of which is what we already talked about. You're weighing it by the Scriptures. You're weighing it by what you already know about Him in Scripture. Does it go against that? Then it's not of God. Weigh it by Scripture. Two, there's a clarity. There's a clarity and a, and a self-authenticating authority to the inner promptings of the Spirit. It could come in... in Thoughts. It could come in a movement of your heart in a certain direction, but there's a, there's a clarity to it and there's a self-authenticating authority to it. And then third, by experience. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's, it's in the experience of knowing the shepherd's voice and getting to know what that voice sounds like. The sheep don't know the voice of the shepherd. At first, they have to get to know him in relationship. They have to develop here. I'll give you one example of, of uh, a time that, that I felt like God was really speaking very clearly to me. Um, I was in high school, and I was, I was trying to develop this conversation and just trying to s- navigate this and see what this, what this all looked like. And so I would, I would turn off my radio uh, on the way home, and, and just spend some time just listening and just trying to, you know, pray and, and figure out, you know, what this conversation should look like. And I had been in, in, a, in a time in my life where I was, I was just completely unsure of what direction I was going, career path and, and uh, you know, just am I going into ministry, am I not? There was, a, there was just a lot of questions up in the air that I had been praying about, but I had also been praying, God, make me a man after your own heart. This was a, a big prayer in my life at this point. And w- I, I was driving home, and I, it's, it's, the only way that I know how to describe this is that it was, it was a very clear line of thought. I had, to, I had to pull over and just start writing because it was such a clear line of thought, and it was weighty. It had a weight to it. It had an authority to it. And God started speaking and just and and again this is not audible, this is just a a stream of thought that started coming. And 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 God spoke and said you know some things from from Matthew six that, you know, seek first the kingdom of heaven and then these things will be added. And he ended it with such a just such a gut wrenching heart, personal peace, because he said, You are a man after my own heart, and I'm after yours. I hadn't even been praying that. That was such such an out of the blue, you're a man after my own heart, but I'm after yours. It was such a personal thing. And again, this is is something you start to know his voice by experience. You start to know his voice by being with him and developing this relationship with him. Uh, God speaks through circumstances. One of the best ways that that you can ask for God's guidance is just to ask for doors to be open and other doors to close. For him to open up circumstances in the right direction or for him to close even the good doors that you may not, you know, maybe you're not supposed to walk through them. And this takes submission. This, this, God speaking through circumstances and praying for the doors to open and close takes submission. Because it means praying, God, I really like this door, but I probably, I don't know if I should walk through it or not. Close it. Close the opportunity if it's not a good opportunity. So it takes submission, but God also speaks through circumstances. F.B. Meyer says this when the three lights come together. He says the circumstances of our daily life are to us an infallible indication of God's will when they concur with the inward promptings of the Spirit and with the Word of God. He's saying when they when the three come together, it's almost an infallible direction for you to go. Now, infallible is a strong word, especially since our motivation is not to be right. Our motivation is not just to be correct. Our motivation is in the relationship. Infallible is a strong word, but look, when the three, those three lights come together, Scripture, the inner prompting, and, the, and the, the circumstances around you, it's a very good direction to take. Okay? Um, God speaks through other people. And this is cool because we looked at, at um, uh, we went to Acts 2 last week when we were talking about Psalm 19 and being an extension of his voice. We went to Acts 2 and saw that he is uh, he's, he's pouring out his spirit on us and calling us all to prophesy, not in the sense of telling the future, but in the sense of speaking the truth of God into the world, speaking the truth of God into the world and into other people's lives. So God uses us to speak to each other. God actually speaks through us in community together. Um... It's part of becoming an extension, an extension of his voice. He speaks through people. Uh, you know, we, we, need, we need godly mentors in our lives. Not just buddies that, that, that you, know, you can bounce things off with, but you need godly mentors. That's another very applicable, applicable piece to this, is that you need godly mentors that you can go to and say, look, this is where I'm at. I don't know what to do. And just having people in your life that are willing to tell you the hard thing, that are, that are walking closely with God and that you know will speak into your life. God gives us the light of reason. He's given us an intellect. He's given us a mind to reason through things. And not only that, he's given us principles in his word in order uh, to have uh, principles and wisdom and ways to live. In fact he says if if you lack wisdom ask me. He says ask. And he says he'll give it freely. He wants you to ask for wisdom. So going back to the development of a child, how many times do you do you go to God with an obvious question, right? And sometimes he's just wanting sometimes he will he will take he will withdraw his direction from your life because he wants you to see how to make this choice. He wants you to develop. Imagine imagine if Aria came to me every day for the rest of her life with with a pen and paper and said, okay, dad, what do you want me to do today? I said, I want you to wear these clothes. I want you to eat this food. I want you to hang out with this friend. It would stunt her growth. She wouldn't be able to make any decisions for herself. So God gives us the light of reason, and sometimes he will, he will order us in a, in a miraculous way, and sometimes he's just going to let us see the light of reason. He's going to let us reason through a situation sometimes. Uh, again, this is by experience. It's by experience that, um, that we know his voice. Um, there's one there's one other, you know, th- there's also dreams, there's visions, there's audible voice. But Dallas Willard even calls these the lesser forms of communication because a lot of times these are these are more done when God has to hit us over the head with something. When he's got to kind of hit us over the head because we're not tuned in to the still small voice, or maybe he's got to give us some very specific direction, but these are not things that we seek. We don't seek signs. Remember, Jesus told, told uh, the people following him, he said, it's an adulterous and rebellious generation that's seeking a sign. These aren't the things that we're seeking. So Dallas Willard calls these the lesser forms of communication because they're not as much about the relationship. In this experience, you're going to be wrong sometimes. I have been wrong. I've been wrong many times about what I thought was God's voice. And I've just been flat wrong about it. It's going to happen. You're learning his voice. Like sheep learning the voice of the shepherd, you're learning his voice. So there's going to be times where you just get it wrong. It's going to happen. But you learn by experience. The Psalms teach us to quiet ourselves, to to rest in him, to develop that inner quiet, that inner rest, and to get to that place where we're waiting on him my soul wait in silence for God. We have to develop that inner rest, that quiet place. So when I'm obedient, I'm tuned in, I have waited, I'm seeking him. Let's say all of the, all of the things in, in my life are lining up the way that they should, but I still don't have guidance. I still don't know which way to go. What do you do? sometimes God is saying, you choose. You choose. This is about development. Hearing God is about development, and it's about a relationship. So sometimes he's saying, you choose. I'm going to, I'm going to seminary in the fall, and it was a very hard decision. It was a very hard decision. I'm, I was seeking guidance in in, you know, counselor, counselors, uh, you know, just trying to, uh, I was going to Pete, I'm going to just all these different people in my life that, that I respect, and I wasn't getting anything from it. I, I've got people on one end of the spectrum saying, you've got to go, and then I had people on, all the way on the other end of the spectrum, one guy at the school right now, trying to talk me out of it like he's trying to talk me off of a ledge, okay? I had no direction when it came to God speaking through people, the circumstances, the pro and cons list were so you know so even and equal, and I couldn't I couldn't see anything any you know in any of those things. Uh, I asked God to to line me and Lauren's hearts together because my wife was at first like <laughs> no, this isn't going to happen. This is ridiculous, right? And I didn't even know where I was, and I kind of wanted to go, but then I'm like I don't know. This, this is going to be really difficult. There's a lot that went into it, but. I sought all of, these, all of these ways, these methods of hearing God. I waited on him, and I didn't feel like I had any direction. And I felt like because of the study I've done with, with Dallas Willard and, and some of the ways that, that I've seen that God speaks to us, I really felt like he was saying, you choose. You choose. And you know what happened when I chose? Everything blew open. It's like now the confirmation that I was looking for came after I made the choice. Financially, you know, it's, it's looking better. Uh, time-wise, I get into a program that's going to take 24 hours off of a 120-hour degree. I mean, this is... The stuff started blowing open. I asked for me and Lauren's heart to be lined up. That didn't happen until after I made the choice, and then she came to me and she said, I think you need to go. I'm like, well, you couldn't have said this before. I mean, come on. I didn't have any of... The guidance going into this, and I felt God saying, you choose, and I chose, and the doors blew wide open on it. He's trying to get us to become people who can make a choice, who can make wise decisions, who can trust him. Uh, Lauren, my wife, if you're wondering if, if you should get married, if you're wondering if somebody's the one or if you've missed the one my wife is the one because I chose her, because she chose me, because we stood at a gazebo in Cancun and said, I promise to spend the rest of my life with you. That's when my wife became the one. Can you imagine the number of variables if some, one person rebelliously chooses somebody else and had the butterfly effect that would go along with that? My wife is the one because I chose her and because she chose me. God gives us choices. He gives us choices. And this is what the Psalms say about it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because if I'm delighting in him, if I'm delighting in God, he starts to take my desires and and mold them and move them in and a direction toward the things that that he knows will be good for me. When we delight in God, my desires become his desires. My desires become the thing that he desires for my life. So we delight in God, but look, when this happens, when we have a choice, you say, I'm scared. I'm so scared. If I've got a choice, I'm gonna screw this thing up. I don't know whether to turn left or right right now. I'm so scared in this. I wanna read you a a quote by C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters. This is a C.S. Lewis book where he's he's given a a fictional account of, of two demons interacting back and forth. And in this, they're talking about God and they say, God cannot tempt to virtue as we do to vice. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away His hand. And if only the will to walk is really there, He's pleased even with their stumbles. When I'm walking with Aria, I'm eventually going to have to let go. She's going to have to learn how to walk. What's going to happen? She's going to fall. She's going to fall right on her butt. Am I going to be mad about that? No. She's got the will to walk. She's got the will to walk. So I'm pleased even in her stumbles because I'm seeing the way that she wants to walk. She's trying to learn how to walk and she's trying to do it in a relationship. And so I'm pleased even with her stumbling forward because she's got the will to walk. Look what the Psalms say about this. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. He delights in your way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. This is such a fatherly image. He's delighting in your way. You've got to learn how to walk. And when you do, you're going to stumble. But look, you're not going to be hurled headlong. Don't worry about, if if you're called to make a decision, don't worry about, don't get paralyzed about turning left or right. Know that he has established your steps. And that even in your stumbling, he's going to be pleased as you're moving toward him, as you have the will to walk. So do you have the will to walk today? Sometimes we don't. And the Psalms are very aware of those times. They're full of it. They're full of times where you're saying, God, why? I don't see you anywhere. Where are you in this? Psalms are full of it. A lot of people um, throughout history have called this the dark night of the soul. There are times when my heart's lined up in the right way, my motives are pure, I don't have a blatant sin clouding my life, but I don't see God. I don't see Him. And sometimes, God withdraws His hand for a time so that we can see if We delighted in him for himself or in just his gifts and blessings. You see that? Sometimes he's going to withdraw his hand for a time so we see for ourselves if we had been delighting in him. The Psalms tell us to remember. They always tell us to remember the goodness, the faithfulness of God. And we get get to look back and see his faithfulness on the cross. We get to look back and see his heart for us on the cross. The Psalms tell us to remember. Look at this. Will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has Has his promise come to an end forever? I feel like I'm looking at an emo kid with mascara running down his face in his closet. Right? The world is over. But then he says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works and muse on all your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Psalms tell us to remember, to recite, to recite his deeds, recite his goodness, recite his faithfulness in this. So let me ask you this, because he's calling us to trust here. Have you put your trust in him? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you fully put your trust in him? And do you know that he delights in your way? Has that gone from here to here? Do you know God delights in my way? Is that, a, is, that a, is that an intimate truth in your heart? God delights in my way. He's after our hearts. I love this, this psalm. Psalm 62. And it says, on God, my salvation and my glory rest. This is a perfect psalm to end with if we're talking about guidance. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. My salvation, everything that I, that I need, everything that I, I can't do on my own. He's gotta pull me out of many waters. He's gotta be the one to set my feet on a rock. But not just my salvation, my glory rests in him. My glory rests in him. My hopes and my dreams, the good stuff, it rests completely in him. It's on God my salvation and my glory rest. We got to get to a point where we are quietly at rest in him. You're seeking God's guidance? Cultivate that inner quiet. That place in your heart that that pushes everything out and just looks to him? Have you put your trust in him? And do you have the will to walk today? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this image of of guidance, this image of you being intimately acquainted with our way, this image of you delighting in our way. God, help us to rest in you. Help us to rest in your goodness and your faithfulness, to remember them, to recite them. God, help us to, as we're as we're learning to seek your guidance, God, help us to remember that this is about a relationship. It's about an intimacy, and it's a, you're, you're turning us in to a kind of person. Transform our hearts. Continue to speak to us this week, Lord, and help us to respond. Thank you for your grace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks amen. for coming. You're dismissed.